inflation, it kind of cures all ills in a lot of senses, but it only cures them if you can hold on to the asset through the challenges, right? Because as real estate investors, we love inflation. <laughs> That's a huge support for the value of our assets, but it assumes that you can manage the risk and manage the turbulence along the way to let it kind of get through the hardest challenges. It's not the mistake that matters. It's how you deal with it, what you learn from it, and how you apply that lesson to your life. Welcome to Multifamily Missteps, where your host, Jerome Myers, brings on apartment investors from around the country, big and small, to share with you the lessons they wish somebody would have told them. These short episodes are designed to expedite your journey to growing a profitable apartment portfolio without all the mistakes that others have made. We're super excited that you're here. Now, let's jump into the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome, and I went all the way to Kansas City to find Ben Frazier. How are you, sir? Come on. Doing well, man. Doing well. Excited to be on the show. Man, look, I, I'm just grateful that you make a little bit of time for me, considering what you guys are doing at Aspen Fund. So for any of the listeners out there who may not know what Aspen Funds is or who Ben Frazier is, even though if they've been on LinkedIn, they should know you by now. Uh, give them a little bit about your background, what you guys have been working on here recently. Yeah, for sure. So Aspen Funds, we've started about 10 years ago doing mortgage note funds. So it's you know an asset class maybe some people are familiar with, some maybe not so much. And it's pre- pretty cool, basically buying d- debt on uh, we bought them on residential properties and a lot of times distressed or you know in challenging situations and we kind of rehab the, the paper rehab the debt and kind of a different way to play the real estate market and so we've been doing that for for 10 years and done very well um, as we built that track record we've you know kind of been on this personal journey of how do we continue to deploy our wealth in you know the other asset classes and you know we've got a little bit of a macroeconomic bent over on our team and, and looking at just what are the trends happening in the economy. We're seeing certain parts of the economy that we think are going to perform very well. And we want to get exposure to it. And we want to build verticals that we think are going to benefit from the trends going on right now. So, you know, about a year and a half ago, we started expanding into other asset classes. And so we're, you know, now doing deals in multifamily, self-storage, industrial, as well as some some acyclical asset classes that are really not real estate related, but yeah, it's kind of what we're doing now. And so we, you know, manage these different funds for accredited investors and trying to navigate this really unique ec- economic circumstance we're all in right now. Unique it is, my friend. I see people buying stuff at five caps, four caps. Some people are even creeping down into the threes. Mm-hmm. And you told me you guys are buying, right? You're buying as much as you can. Yep. So how? How do the deals make sense? That That's my big question because it terrifies me when I see an interest rate that's higher than the cap rate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's uh, on multifamily specifically, the what we're looking for is pretty big loss to lease. We don't mind kind of taking the construction risk because we have vertically integrated construction. So we can kind of manage that that piece of it. But you're definitely taking risk right now when your your cap rate you're purchasing at is close to your to your debt. But what I really like is getting fixed rate debt. So we've been buying these properties with you know regional banks that have fixed rate debt you know on you know for five years, and then we spend the most 
amount of time and due diligence on proving out the pro forma market rents, right? So we want our you know, pro forma cap rate on uh, what we're going to be generating on our uh, NOI to be much higher than the fixed debt that we have. But if we have that locked in, then we have an inflation keeps running up, which we think is going to keep being you know, an annoying piece of the economy for at least the next year or two. That's going to continue to increase rents or at least help support rent growth. So I, I feel like you know, you're taking different risks in this market than you were probably a couple of years ago. But if you can quantify what those risks are, and if you're comfortable with them and you look at the drivers of what you know, is going to impact those risks, then I think there's, there's ways you can get comfortable with it. I think you know, there, there are certain deals where we're finding, you know, I'm sure a lot of people out there are seeing the same thing, where basically the value add is already priced into the price today, right? So you're you're basically paying the future value of that asset now, and and that that, that never works. That that's never going to work, and that's a bad situation. But I think the other place where people are are increasing their risk, and I'm seeing this a lot in the really hot markets that are trading in the sub four cap rates. You know, the Phoenix, the the Dallas, the other Florida markets that are super super hot is you the only way you can make the numbers work is with bridge debt you know so you get higher leverage and you can you get somewhat of a of an interest cap interest rate cap uh you know if you buy that but you have three years to execute your plan and if you don't there's there's a lot of risks on the takeout there right if uh if you don't hit your rent projections if interest rates continue to go up which i think there's they are going to keep going up for a little bit you know, that might cause an economic recession, which is going to impact your rent growth, which is going to impact your ability to, to get takeout financing at the end of the day. And, you know, even though it's a great asset, you just paid too much for it, and you have bad financing on it. And that's where I think people are going to get, get stuck in deals. Trapped with no exit. Trapped with no exit. And a lot of these deals, I mean, so I work with accredited investors and they're investing in all these deals. And so I'm trying to have a pulse on what's out there and what people are raising for, but a lot of the deals I'm seeing, they're raising pref equity in these deals, you know, on top of the bridge debt, which is already 80% leverage. And then they're bringing in 10% pref equity. And then they're bringing common equity. And most of the investors are just investing in the common. But effectively, that deal is leveraged 90%, right? And they're the last ones to get paid. They're taking all the risk. And the pref equity guys, they've got, you know, a lot of ways that they can, you know, protect themselves in a deal, even though they're junior to the senior lender. And I, I don't know. I'm just I'm concerned. You know, as we have these interest rates creep up, if there is any reversion in cap rates, which you know, we can go into that. You know, what we think is going to happen, but you know, there, there's going to be a big mess. And I don't necessarily think it's going to be because rents are slowing down. I think it's going to be because there's bad capital structures and deals start blowing up, and they can't they can't support the debt, and uh, they got to get out of it. And I think people are going to lose some money. Ooh, that's. Violation of rule number one of investing: yes. don't lose money or don't lose the cap or the principal or the tr- yes. the investment. Right. So, preservation of capital is, is the name of the game. So, I mean, but I mean, these are really smart people, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, what what do they know that we don't know? Because they've got to know something. They, they've got to know something, and I think. You know, this is not every deal like what I just described. That's those are some of the syndicated deals I've seen. You know, and there are there are some that aren't doing it. They're not using the pref. They are doing lower leverage. They are protecting the downside because the reality is, even if in three years your you know your bridge debt is 
you know, come due and you've got to take out finance or sell the asset. It's a bad time to do both of those because cap rates have reverted, interest rates are high, the economy's in a recession. All you've got to do is be able to hold on to the asset, right? If, if it's a good asset that's in a good location with all the supporting factors, then you just got to be able to hold on to it. But the challenge is they won't be able to hold on to it. So, you know, the way we're thinking about it is inflation, it kind of cures all ills in a lot of senses. But it only cures them if you can hold on to the asset through the challenges, right? Because as real estate investors, we love inflation. <laughs> it's, that's a huge support for the value of our assets. But it assumes that you can manage the risks and manage the turbulence along the way to let it kind of get through the hardest, the hardest challenges. So I, I think to answer your question, I think a lot of these you know, smarter, bigger money centers that are buying these assets at stupid low cap rates, I think one is a, it's a function of there's more capital and more liquidity in the market than there has been in decades. And they're just looking for a home and looking for a place that is going to be as inflation protected as possible because everyone's concerned about that. So they're maybe willing to pay more than they should, maybe willing to accept a lower return. And then two, I think it's the expectation that you know if we can ride out inflation, then that that's going to eventually we'll, we'll, we'll come out okay. Depending on what the whole period is, maybe it's a little longer than we expect on the front end, but we will maybe get out of it okay. Get out of it okay. So you said something, and I think most people are going to miss it. And it's funny that you said it, considering what you just said about the way folks are leveraging their properties. You said, as long as you can hold on to the asset, you'll be okay. But 30 seconds, maybe two minutes before, you were like, yeah, but they're leveraging this to 90%. 100%. Yep. Yep. And then they're borrowing another 10% and calling it equity, right? <laughs> right? So like when you leverage something that way, where's your cushion? Like I call it the squishy and that's a technical term because I'm an engineer, right? I'm licensed engineer. Where's the squishy? Very technical. <laughs> where's your squishy? You need a lot of squishy right now, Jerome. There's everyone needs more squishy at this point of the economic cycle. <laughs> But I feel like we are literally proforming all of it out. Like everything has to go right in order for them to be able to pay the prep. Exactly. But it's likely not to go right unless I'm missing something. I mean, I, I'm not a very good operator, right? And I have things that happen all the time that I don't expect. Had a fire. It, pick the thing. I, I probably experienced half person die. Like, what do you do when there's no margin of safety in your deal? Yeah, I mean it's it's a weird time because there's this natural confliction in any investor that's paying attention of inflation is headlining over 8%, right? Some people think it's a lot higher than that. So my cash is on fire. My cash is losing its purchasing power every year. So I want to be invested, I want to you know protect my wealth from inflation eroding it away, but then you have the other side of the confliction is but prices are so stupid, you know, stupidly high on these assets. So how do I justify paying that? You know, what what I say is you know, a lot of our investors are like, it's it's not a good time to be on the sidelines. We can get more into it if you'd like, because the economy fundamentally is still pretty strong. We have, we've had strong GDP growth. We have very low unemployment. We have consumers are generally very healthy right now, surprisingly. I mean, surprisingly, not surprisingly with all the stimulus that was pumped into the economy, but very low debt, you know, relative to income, net worth has skyrocketed. You know, and it's it's not that's those are averages, right? There's a lot of disjointed pieces of the market, but on average, consumer spending is the biggest contributor to GDP. 
makes up 70% of, of the, the overall economy. And so if the consumer is healthy, if they're willing to spend, if consumer sentiment it remains strong, that's going to keep driving economic growth, which is really good for us as real estate investors. So I'm still very bullish on multifamily and, and self-storage and industrial, these other asset classes. But the challenge now is how are you mitigating all the downsides, right? And how do you protect against the worst things that can happen? Because you're right, the chances of something going wrong over the next couple of years are a lot higher. And it's not even just from, you know, we're not hitting the rents. It's interest rates are creeping up and they're they're actually jumping up pretty quick. I'm a, trying to get a new house right now. And my, my mortgage rate is by going in 2% higher than I just refinanced six months ago. Right. And so it's, it's going to impact the market. It's, it's decreasing affordability. And there's you know, other things that are going on with interest rates that people need to pay attention to. But my point is inflation is really good for real estate investors. And if there is turbulence at that point, you got to make sure you've thought through all the downside, you've thought through all the risks that can impact your deal. And especially from a financing perspective, and can you hold on to the asset, right? Will you not have to have the bank say, hey, we're calling your note and you either need to sell this thing, pay us off, or we're taking the keys, right? And I think that's what's going to happen to a lot of investors that got a little too aggressive on their on their pro formas. And, and right now, it's it's really weird because the cap rates have compressed so much, even in the past 18 months, that it's kind of created this squishy factor, <laughs> to use your technical term, in the sense of you didn't have to be a great operator to make a lot of money or to have a lot of value be created in the past 18 months, right? And so when interest rates get up, cap rates go up if if they do if there's more turbulence in the market it's going to shake out a lot of the the worst operators and those that were too aggressive okay all right a lot of people want to be profitable multifamily operators but lack the knowledge deal flow experience and capital to be successful they often try to overcome these challenges out of order slowing or eliminating their ability to get the next deal done we have developed a framework that allows them to gain the knowledge they need to find profitable deals. When they use our system, they create time and location freedom, as well as the generational wealth they desire for their family. The Multifamily Kickstart program has proven to be the fastest way to establish credibility and build a profitable apartment portfolio. Hop over to JeromeMyers.co to find out more information. All right. So when people hear the word fund or funds, they're thinking, hey, you just put money in deals. You're not an actual operator. Is that true for Aspen funds? No, we're actual operators. Yeah. So we choose to structure our deals versus a syndication is a single asset structure, right? So, you know, generally you're going to put money into a syndication that that entity will then go buy a single asset, whether it's a big multifamily property, a self-storage portfolio facility, whatever asset class it is. A fund is simply a different structure to where your money gets invested into a fund and that fund buys multiple assets, sometimes across different asset classes, but generally single asset class. And your money then gets spread across multiple assets. So it can reduce your risk from you know one deal going bad and that you can have exposure to different geographies, different asset types. There's you know some definite definite benefits of, of a fund over a syndication, though there are some downsides too with depending how it's structured and you know when you come into the fund and when the assets are purchased and those kind of things. But that's the real 
high level of, you know, why a fund makes sense versus a syndication. It gives you more flexibility as an operator. It would be my guess. Totally. So as an operator, watching other operators make mistakes, right? Because I mean, whether we want to admit it or not, we're looking at each other and like, you're crazy. I can't believe you did that. (laughs) Right. What would you say people are doing that just terrifies you? Because I mean, you're deploying capital. You're still active in the market. It's not like you're just on the sidelines saying, hey, we can't do a deal. We're making some changes. But what are you seeing people doing specifically in the multifamily space that makes kind of the hair on the back of your neck stand up? It's like, I I don't want to do that. I, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> I think, I mean, there's a lot of things, right? I mean, one, it just comes to mind and it's, it's almost laughable because it's so fundamental, but a lot of people think inflation only goes one way and inflation only benefits your rents, right? <laughs> well, inflation also increases your expenses and there are maybe less sophisticated syndicators that are, I've actually not, not seen a deal, but I've, I've heard other people talk about deals they, they've been seeing that underwriting is not having a inflation component in the expenses. So expenses are not growing at the same inflation rate that your rents are. And that that's a really big negative because as we all know, NOI is the golden number on multifamily and that's going to massively impact your NOI over a five-year hold or whatever. And it's going to make the deal look a lot better than it likely is going to be. So that that's one very simple thing that people need to realize too. Like and we're already seeing like in certain areas of the economy, inflation for certain materials and other things is way more than 8%. Like lumber. Yeah. It's way, way more than that. So it's something you got to think about um, inflation. Now, thankfully, you know, if your top line, which is a much bigger number is growing by four or five, 8%, you know, on the high end, and your expenses, which are smaller numbers growing by the same amount, your NOI will still grow over time, but not to the same degree. So that, that that's one. I think too, we've already talked a lot about it, so I won't spend any more time on it. But I, I think the biggest risk right now in these deals is the capital structure. What is it made up of? Who are the players? What's the priority of payout? What are the, the covenants in place that have to be hit and met before the S hits the fan, these deals got to be hitting and be making sure that they can hit their, their, their pro forma debt service coverage, right? If a lot of these deals, they don't work on amortizing debt and they never will. Like that to me is a little bit of a red flag. If you can't, if you can't support a, a true debt payment, even a pro forma or whatever, like that, that's a pretty big negative, right? So there's- With that, are you saying that people are doing deals where it only works for the interest only period? Is that what you- hundred percent especially like in markets like Dallas, right? And so so to me, then the risk you're playing is the greater, the greater fool theory, right? It's, hey, I can do this and it's never actually going to work on amortizing debt, but it's Dallas. So someone else will pay a stupid cap rate down the road because it's one of the hottest markets in the country. Well, that only works for so long, right? Eventually the, that musical chair game ends and, and the last person, you know, in that, spots going to have a hard come to Jesus moment. So I think there's a, there's, you got to watch out for the greater fool strategy, which is I'm just going to do this plan and hope that the next person is willing to pay what I just paid for this. And, you know, I can, you know, manage through it. So that, that makes me really uncomfortable. Like I was looking at a deal the other day. It it does not support the amortizing debt ever, ever. And there's a 40% loss to lease in this deal. So they can raise rents by 40% and 
and even still it's not going to support it on a pro forma basis. To me, that, that that's a really big red flag, right? Yeah, I would say those are probably the oh the other other big thing I would say is construction risk. So I think that's another another big piece of of the economy right now with the supply chain challenges that people need to price in. So like for example, this has happened this week. So my father personally invested in a a big deal. It was syndication. It's in Washington D.C. It's a cool cool project. It's a office conversion to multifamily. Massive massive property. And right by the White House, super cool business plan, going to be class A, going to be awesome. Well, they raised all the money. They got all the construction bids. This was just less than six months ago. And their construction budget was $50 million. So a huge project. And these are longtime operators, been doing this, you know, billions under management. Well, they just sent out a letter this week saying, well, guys, we had we have to kind of adjust the numbers here a little bit. We just got all of our construction firm bids back. And the construction budget is not $50 million anymore. It's actually $80 million. <laughs> $80 million. This is a 60% increase on their construction just to achieve the same business plan that they plan on achieving on the front end. So they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to, hey, we're going to go back to lenders, see if we can get a higher advance rate. Hey, we're going to push on the, the bids, see if we can get them down a little bit. Hey, we might need to go raise more equity. But those are the kind of things where, you know, I think that's a pretty extreme example. You know, we're not seeing that kind of increase on the deals we're doing right now, but it's something that, you know, I think we're all kind of coming to realize these supply chain issues. They're going to be here with us a little bit longer than we all want them to. And we all maybe expected them originally to. So I think you've, you've got to just build a lot more margin in your deals on if you have a construction component of, of it. So I think those are kind of some of the biggest risks we're seeing in the market. I'd love to hear your thoughts, actually, what, what, you, what you're kind of finding. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> I, t- I said that COVID was going to last for two weeks. So I have zero credibility <laughs> in this space. But what I will say is the development project we've been working on forever. My bids went from 117 a door to 175 over the course of about 10 months. So, man, so how, how are you managing through that? I'd love to hear like, what's your, what's your strategy there? Find a different construction partner is the only game that we have and figure out how to build it differently. Right. Yep. There's, there's nothing else. I don't care how much value engineering you do. You're not going to get to where you need to be on something like that. Yeah. And the rent has gone up and, you know, we've, we've always worked with people who are even more conservative than me. So they don't want to put the rents in that we're getting right now, knowing that we won't come to market for another 18 months, 24 months. But that's what we get. I, I'll never forget when I knew we were going to push the brakes on it. My my partner said, Jerome, in order to get this done, I'm going to have to break every rule that I have for doing the deal. And, you know, he just got kind of skittish after that. And that's okay, right? Because I don't want to be in a space where you're trapped. Right. Right. Because that makes nobody happy. And, you know, that lack of performance is something that can damage your reputation, especially since it's my first development deal. And so I'd rather proceed with caution. And I'm okay with inflation eroding the capital than locking the capital into a box that it won't ever come out of. And I fear that a lot of people are buying deals right now where they're never going to get the money back out of it. And they thought they were being smart and they thought they were being prudent, but what they really ended up doing was locking in a loss 
five years from now by decisions that they made today with a cost basis that absolutely didn't make sense. And if they actually took some time to get out of deal fever, they would have seen that very clearly. Mm-hmm. And so this is phenomenal, Ben. I'm sure the listeners want to learn more from you. So what's the best way for them to reach out and learn more about you and Aspen Funds? Yeah. So we actually have our own podcast. It's called Invest Like a Billionaire. Uh, you can find it on any podcast platform. And so we talk a lot about these kind of things going on in the market. We interview a lot of experts in the economy and operators and other things. And so that's joining the conversation there. Um, and then aspenfunds.us is our fund website. You can check out some of the deals we're finding that are kind of passing our due diligence frameworks and and ones we feel are best poised for you know doing well in this economic environment and you know get on our investor club list there if you're interested and thanks for having me Jerome this has been really fun I always love talking with folks like you that are in the market and trying to navigate it too it's a very unique time well I can't wait to get you back on hopefully we can hang out in person soon man thank you so much Ben all right thanks you made it all the way to the end so that means you love this episode of multifamily missteps. I need a favor from you. The only way this show grows is if more people know about it. So do me a favor. Take a screenshot and post it on your favorite social media platform and tag me in it. Who knows? We may have you as the next guest. I look forward to sharing the episode with you next week.